for Pete's sake. I'm Kat. And I'm Liz, and we're Chatting Catholic. We're self-study theologians of the domestic church. And we love reading what the Bishop of Rome has to say for himself. Welcome back. We're so glad you're Hello. here. Um, we're on we're on chapter one of Fratelli Tutti, still that encyclical of fraternity and social friendship. We will be doing globalization and pandemics. And if we have time, we might even get to an absence of human dignity on the borders. Thank you all for sticking with us. This is a very lengthy encyclical. It's the longest encyclical we do have on our show list. So keep that in mind. I'm sure you will get a lot out of it. We do actually plan to get to some vintage encyclicals eventually and also we want to do bonus episodes like stuff about us stuff about papal apologetics stuff like that so you know hang with us and also just enjoy fratelli 2d because it's amazing let's get to reading globalization and progress without a shared roadmap with the grand imam ahmed al-tayeb we do not ignore the positive advances made in the areas of science technology medicine industry and welfare above all in developed countries nonetheless we wish to emphasize that together with these historical advances great and valued as they are there exists a moral deterioration that influences international action and a weakening of spiritual values and responsibility this contributes to a general feeling of frustration, isolation, and desperation. We see outbreaks of tension and a buildup of arms and ammunition in a global context dominated by uncertainty, disillusionment, fear of the future, and controlled by narrow economic interests. We can also point to major political crises, situations of injustice, and the lack of an equitable distribution of natural resources in the face of such crises that result in the deaths of millions of children emaciated from poverty and hunger, there is an unacceptable silence on the international level. This panorama, for all its undeniable advances, does not appear to lead to a more humane future. In today's world, the sense of belonging to a single human family is fading, and the dream of working together for justice and peace seems like an outdated utopia. What reigns instead is a cool, comfortable, and globalized indifference born of deep disillusionment, concealed behind a deceptive illusion, thinking that we are all-powerful while failing to realize that we are all in the same boat. This illusion, unmindful of the great fraternal values, leads to a sort of cynicism, for that is the temptation we face if we go down the road of disenchantment and disappointment. Isolation and withdrawal into one's own interests are never the way to restore hope and bring about renewal. Rather, it is closeness. It is the culture encounter. Isolation, no. Closeness, yes. Culture clash? No. Culture of encounter? Yes. In this world that races ahead yet lacks a shared roadmap, we increasingly sense that the gap between concern for one's personal well-being and the prosperity of the larger human family seems to be stretching to the point of complete division between individuals and human community. It is one thing to feel forced to live together, but something entirely different to value the richness and beauty of those seeds of common life that need to be sought out and cultivated. Technology is constantly advancing, Yet how wonderful would it be if the growth of scientific and technological innovation could come with more equality and social inclusion? How wonderful would it be, even as we discover faraway planets, to rediscover the needs of the brothers and sisters who orbit around us? Pandemics and Other Calamities in History True, a worldwide tragedy like the COVID-19 pandemic momentarily revived the sense that we are all a global community, all in the same boat where one person's problems are the problems of all. 
Once more, we realize that no one is saved alone. We can only be saved together. As I said in those days, the storm has exposed our vulnerability and uncovered those false and superfluous certainties around which we constructed our daily schedules, our projects, our habits, and priorities. Amid this storm, the facade of those stereotypes with which we camouflaged our egos, always worrying about appearances, has fallen away, revealing once more the ineluctable and blessed awareness that we are part of one another, that we are brothers and sisters of one another. The world was relentlessly moving towards an economy that, thanks to technological progress, sought to reduce human costs. But there were those who would have had us believe that freedom of the market was sufficient to keep everything secure. Yet the brutal and unforeseen blow of this uncontrolled pandemic forced us to recover our concern for human beings, for everyone, rather than for the benefit of a few. Today we can recognize that we fed ourselves on dreams of splendor and grandeur and ended up consuming distraction, insularity, and solitude. We gorged ourselves on networking and lost the taste of fraternity. We looked for quick and safe results, only to find ourselves overwhelmed by impatience and anxiety. Prisoners of a virtual reality, we lost the taste and flavor of the truly real. The pain, uncertainty, and fear, and the realization of our own limitations brought on by the pandemic have only made it all the more urgent that we rethink our styles of life, our relationships, the organization of our societies, and above all, the meaning of our existence. If everything is connected, it is hard to imagine that this global disaster is unrelated to our way of approaching reality, our claim to be absolute masters of our own lives and of all that exists. I do not want to speak of divine retribution, nor would it be sufficient to say that the harm we do to nature is itself the punishment for our offenses, the world is itself crying out in rebellion. We are reminded of the well-known verse of the poet Virgil that evokes the tears of things, the misfortunes of life and history. All too quickly, however, we forget the lessons of history, the teacher of life. Once this health crisis passes, our worst response would be to plunge even more deeply into feverish consumerism and the new forms of egotistic self-preservation. God willing, after all of this, we will think no longer in terms of them and those, but only us. If only this may prove not to be just another tragedy of history from which we learned nothing. If only we might keep in mind all those elderly persons who died for lack of respirators, partly as a result of dismantling year after year of healthcare systems. If only this immense sorrow may not prove useless, but enable us to take a step forward toward a new style of life. If only we might rediscover once for all that we need one another, and that in this way, our human family can experience a rebirth with all its faces, all its hands, and all its voices beyond the walls we have erected. Unless we recover the shared passion to create a community of belonging and solidarity worthy of our time, our energy, and our resources, the global illusion that misled us will collapse and leave many in the grip of anguish and emptiness. Nor should we naively refuse to recognize that obsession with a consumerist lifestyle, above all when few people are capable of maintaining it, can only lead to violence and mutual destruction. The notion of every man for himself will rapidly degenerate into a free-for-all that would prove worse than any pandemic. I love when he said, we wish to emphasize that together with the historical advances, great and valued as they are, there exists a moral deterioration that influences international action and a weakening of spiritual values and responsibility. The more advances we get, the more globalized we become, like all these technologies that we have, has it made us less brutal? Has it made us more faithful? We have all of these things, but spiritually, it's distracting. 
I, I loved his refreshing balance because it is true that like I wouldn't want to give up modern medicine or modern plumbing. Yes. I wouldn't want to give up these things because I think that they are great resources for human flourishing. But we have to be balanced in this. We have to acknowledge that as far ahead as we can get, depression is up. Suicidal ideation is up. Um, nobody had ever heard of doom scrolling before knowing about everything from the wildfires here and everywhere we've got climate change issues we've got all of these things that we can know about that are modern problems but it is refreshing to have him at least mention the things that we've done right yes the areas of science technology medicine industry and welfare like let's give credit where credit is due but let's make sure that we're not stopping there yes i really appreciate his balance in that area in paragraph 30, there's a sentence, in today's world, the sense of belonging to a single human family is fading. And that made me kind of laugh almost. Like, was that ever a thing? Was that ever a thing that people thought was true? But the, the Pope and the Grand Imam both say that it was, apparently. I, was that really? Was it really ever a thing? Yeah, they say it's an outdated utopia. Where in our history were we ever connected? When was that ever in vogue? Mm -hmm. But I do, I do think that, though I say it that way, I do think that being able to be connected with anyone anywhere has made it harder to be connected with your actual neighbors. Gorged ourselves on networking and lost the taste of fraternity. You can try and make friends on LinkedIn. Can you make friends on LinkedIn? You can network on LinkedIn and, you know use those people as step stools to jump yourself up higher but fraternity involves oh i see that you need something here i will help you i see that you have fallen by the way as he said and I can help you to stand up. Yes. In paragraph 30 and paragraph 40, he kind of has the two same images of we are all in the same boat. It says we lack a shared roadmap, which I feel is 100% true. And I've said this before is we can't have relativism where everybody has their own universal truths because then we will never be able to have a shared roadmap or be in the same boat because we can't even decide between our neighbors what is true and what is not true. And I really love the principles of Catholic social justice. I always go through that in my head, like, okay, what is their list of the principles of social justice? So we have number one, the sacred dignity of human person, abortion, and how to resolve conflict. We need to use that sacred dignity to also be able to resolve conflict. Yes. And as far as abortion, once again, he said in the last section, the not yet useful and the no longer useful. You can look at sacred dignity in both of those realms of usefulness, mm -hmm. but then also... To be pro-life yes. is to believe that every person All on life. earth is a gift to humanity. Yes. And then the second one is the principle of solidarity, that we are all made in the image and likeness of God, and we are all the body of the church. Jesus Christ is the head, we are still his body. Yep. Um, and I love that St. Gregory the Great, he said that he that has talent, let him hide it not. He that has abundance, let him quicken himself to mercy and generosity. He that has art and skill, let him do his best to share its use and utility with his neighbor. So yes. we are all one solid family. You have gifts. They have gifts. Perceive everyone's gifts and your own gifts as the gifts that they are from God. Every single person is hard. It's hard. You can do it. I believe in you. Yes. Um, one of the things that this kind of, this and chapters forward, 
it really strikes me that a lot of times we'll you'll get these quote-unquote oppositions like you have this randianism versus marxism this idea Mm -hmm. that everyone is in it for themselves versus everyone needs to be in it for the group and the thing I love about the Catholic Church, there's no either or here. It's both and. I can, yes. can my faith is my faith, and my faith is also the faith of millions, and it is shared, and every, and my body is my body, and it is also a part of the body that is all humans everywhere, and also the body of Christ, which is all Christians everywhere. You can be both, and you can embody both. The either or turns out to be just two people who hate each other, who actually fundamentally agree on something they refuse to either one of them look at. I love when he says the the seeds of common life. That goes back to just remembering the principle of solidarity, that we are all made in the image of God. We are all one being yep i love how before that he's like it's one thing to feel forced to live together it's like when you have siblings right and they're fighting and they don't know that when they grow up they are going to be each other's best friends for life sometime in high school sometime in college whenever they eventually you hope come to realize the richness and beauty of each other that they've always had this person that understands them in a way that actually their friends don't yes and when we see our fellow man on earth like your fellow american understands the world in a way that a british person doesn't simultaneously you can find a common ground with literally any human being you're talking to yes And the greatest way to do that, I have always been very social. I can connect with people easily, but the way that I can do it in such a deep fashion, the guy who cuts me off, I immediately can forgive them is because I do a nighttime self-examination of conscious because I'm like, what did I do today? And I just meditate not to beat myself up, but just to remember I was not perfect today. Did I share Christ with someone today? Did I lose my temper today? It doesn't always have to be these deep moral sins. It can also be, what could I have done better today? And then so when I'm able to realize that with myself every day, then I see yeah. some guy on the street doing something. I'm like, I'm no better. Yeah. Like, I did this, this, and this yesterday, and I know it because I did the checklist in my head. Yes. Actually, you were saying you don't have to go through a big, deep thing. Uh, there's an author, Carrie Frey, who has some guided examines on Amazon that you can purchase, and she does pretty much exactly that. She yeah. has you, like, for a whole week, you just examine one virtue. How did I sin against prudence today? How did I sin against prudence today for seven straight days? And then the, after a week, you move, how did I sin against temperance today? As just a different way of getting into without beating yourself up every night. Oh, I absolutely love that. Please share that in the in the show, show notes, notes because I, I, I need will. that. I do, you know, the normal examination of conscience. But then I also try to look up things like that that are tailored or specific because I may not be doing a mortal sin every day, but... There are always things I need (laughs) to work on from that day. Yes, exactly, exactly. The mortal sins get less common, hopefully, as you imbibe the sacraments. But the venial ones are a little more difficult to uproot. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to move on to technology is constantly advancing, yet how wonderful it would be if the growth of scientific and technological innovation could come with more equality and social inclusion. How wonderful would it be, even as we discover faraway planets, to rediscover the needs of the brothers and sisters who orbit around us? Love. 
I just love everything about that. Yes. Um, my kids and I are huge documentary watchers. I've already probably have mentioned two or three documentaries just in this podcast because I'm always like, oh, I saw this. I always like seeing simple inventions that a nine-year-old kid has come up with that help a third world country or it did something to help trash not go into the ocean. And the one that we're really watching closely right now is the Hyperloop. Sure. And of course, this is not a nine-year-old child. Tesla and SpaceX developed this at first. I don't know much about Elon Musk. I don't know much about Tesla. So don't don't comment people like, hey, he's not that good. Okay, I'm just saying I like the fact that he doesn't pass his scientific ideas because he wants other companies whoever can pick it up and do it here's how you do it that was something that tesla and spacex came up with was the hyperloop and the kids and i have just been tracking that advancement really closely and it's the hyperloop is a tube for transportation it uses vacuum pressure and magnets so it uses almost no energy source It can help people travel super fast in between cities. So we're talking almost like an airplane, like 100, 200 miles per hour. It's a cleaner, long distance speed travel. And looking at that advancement in a social level, people don't have to pack into cities anymore to find those jobs. People can commute faster and safer and maybe we don't have to urbanize quite so badly yes can you imagine having a new york city income but be able to live in pennsylvania i mean that's one of the good parts of the pandemic is companies finally realizing that they can just let people work at home yeah my husband works on the west coast my kids and i live in the midwest because we cannot afford for our size family to live in an apartment with him on the west coast So he has to fly back and forth. So things like the Hyperloop are very intriguing to our family. Maybe he could work in a city on the West Coast, but we don't necessarily have to live in those expensive areas. He could Hyperloop to Idaho. It would give us more options to still be a close family for where he works. Yeah. Pandemics and other calamities in history. Ugh, COVID. Once more, we realize that no one is saved alone. We can only be saved together. That completely brought me back to St. John Paul II. We are all responsible for all. John Paul II and Pope Francis, they've always said to read and read, read Dostoevsky. Yeah, the Brothers K, the Brothers Karamazov. That's where that term, we are all responsible for all. And then, of course, he goes on to say, and me more than most. But then it also, it's a reminder, too, that we are all guilty for the lesser. If everything is connected, it's hard to imagine how this global disaster is unrelated to our way of approaching reality. And he's not talking, like he says, he's not talking about this is some kind of divine retribution. It's just that... If maybe we had done it a little differently because we had perceived things a little differently, maybe we would be in a different place now. On the other hand, we can't go back. We can only go forward. So, Zoom Christmas! I always tell this with my kids, and I know it's on like a very childlike level, but I remind them if they get in a big fight with each other or if anything like that has happened to them, I always remind them the great thing about storms in the ocean is that it actually stirs the ocean up and feeds the ocean. So it may Mm -hmm. seem like these are terrible things, just like in the ocean, then all of the plankton and dirt in and the other fish can come feast on them. So I always remind them, the storm stirs it up so we can keep feeding or we can see what we need to fix. 
In some ways, one of the things I'm thankful for this 2020 is that the coronavirus is the coronavirus and not like the Ebola virus or bubonic plague or something. Because can you imagine how bad that would have been? But we got ourselves, it's, you know, our last pandemic was 100 years ago. So we got ourselves a good reminder of how to handle yourself in a pandemic. And hopefully, if there's another one in 20 years, we'll remember and everybody will just dig their masks out. And everyone will now know that you've got to keep a couple of months of toilet paper in a closet somewhere. I've said too, I love the fact that we are now used to mask wearing because I'm like, I can't believe I let you people just breathe on me whenever you want it. Like, (laughs) we might be a family that does this every flu season. Yes. I have a friend who's like, okay, so can mask wearing in airports just now be standard for all people at all times because germs? We just got used to the notion of, oh, I'm just going to be sick after I fly. I already know that I catch a cold every time I go to a play place. Yeah. How did it take us this long as a society to be like, maybe I should wash Mm -hmm. my hands more and wear a mask and be more careful and not touch my face and not touch my face. Yep. Hey guys, Liz here, and I made executive decisions this week. <laughs> I thought you all might appreciate bingeable episodes more than epic length ones, so come back this Friday to hear about the dignity of immigrants. As always, catch up with us on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to Fratelli Tutti and other stuff in the show notes. St. Peter or a Pronobis!